This episode was recorded online. I hope the audio quality isn't too much of a bummer. Enjoy. Hello. You're listening to The Mastery Diplomat. Hello. Welcome to The Mastery Diplomat. I'm with Lea, Jan and Javier. Would you like to introduce yourselves? Hi, I'm representing my team. We organized the Fair Fashion Month for UNSA. I'm here because this podcast is a part of our project. Thanks for having me. My name is Javier. I come representing my team from Pop Boutique. And thank you very much for having us. We're really excited to discuss fair fashion with you guys and hopefully reach out to a lot of people with this great initiative. My name is Jan. I'm 30 years old. And here for Fair Enough, uh, it's small fair fashion brand, and I'm uh, very keen for the discussion. Thank you very much. Appreciate having you all here. We should start with the basics. So, Leah, would you tell me what is fair fashion? What do those words mean, and what is the concept behind them? So, what is the purpose or the aim of this project? We wanted to raise awareness towards fast or yeah fair fashion and in general to point out our consumption and our behavior yeah so that was like the main goal of our project and the podcast here is a part of our project as well in terms of the definition of fair fashion i think it's a very broad term maybe you can substitute it with eco or green fashion which might be a bit more clear but in general, I would say there are two main aspects that you have to focus on or that have to be taken into account when talking about fair fashion. One aspect are the working conditions. So, for example, where are the clothes produced? Do I pay a fair wage or do I treat my uh, employees fairly? And on the other hand, you have the sustainable aspect where you're talking about materials or about transportation. But I think one important thing to mention is that you cannot really say okay fast fashion is bad because there's a reason why there is fast fashion and i think when we are talking about fair fashion we especially have to talk about our consumers behavior and what role we consumers play in the fashion world so yeah that's my definition of fair fashion but i think there are a lot of different definitions so i'm uh Curious to know, get to know the one from uh, Javier and Jan. From what I understand, fair fashion itself springs from two major concepts. It's the environmental side of the fashion industry and its effects and the humanitarian side in terms of the human rights and the labor conditions of people producing that fashion. Okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I think we can just go on to asking a few questions to Jan and Javier. I'd like to start with Jan. Would you be so kind as to introduce yourself a bit further? Would you introduce us to what Fair Enough is and what role you play in the organization? Fair Enough, we founded maybe 2017. We started with that year and found the company. I was missing affordable, fair fashion clothes, which were like contemporary, not looking like stuff like my mom would wear. So we were looking to change that, but had a lot of struggles when you're 17, 18, and you try to find a producer and just getting into the topic, of course, no one takes it serious. Also with the handicap of not being able as being like a high school student to travel to all those countries and have personal contacts with producers and see the conditions in the factories, for example, it's hard to really find a 
ground in the industry. So that took quite a long time. And then I, I founded it with a friend of mine and he, we, do, we both did an exchange to Australia. And in Australia, we met a Cambodian guy who was having a fabric factory in Cambodia. And what we um, thought about with him using textile waste to produce new products. So we started with backpacks because it was just a simple product. And also we, because we were using it daily and were kind of fond of like the backpack culture. No matter when, uh, when you traveled, to, when you just went to high school, you always had your backpack. And Sapphire has developed and it's constantly changing, especially due to Corona. You know, the situation, it's uh, quite of hard to manage everything from Germany and like still having the restriction, not being able to go to those countries due to Corona right now. So yeah, the, <laughs> we always have to adapt to the circumstances. Okay. So, so just so I understand clearly. So you traveled with your friend and you found this guy and he had a factory and you figured by using the waste, you could make new products in a more sustainable way because you wouldn't be using anything new. Rather, you'd be recycling what would have been thrown away. Yeah, that's how it started. Of course, it changed mm -hmm. a bit. The thing is that, for example, Cambodia, famous for the garment industry. So it's the biggest industry. I think 80% of um, Cambodia's export is generated or through the garment industry. And you can calculate, so it's the rule of thumb, maybe 10% of the fabrics companies get. For example, any brand places an order and then 10% of the fabric isn't actually used or needed for the for the uh, products, for the merchandise. So what happens is either it gets sold or it just gets dumped in the environment or on dumping sites. So yes, you have good materials with uh, and they aren't used. So that's that's the basic um, problem because they're just polluting the environment and they're still usable. So you can still use it. Problems are, it's, I don't know the English name, it's not the sizes in which you measure like the size of the fabric. They are quite small. So it's not an option for them to start a new line with it, but you need some more flexible production to uh, adjust to it. So what we did, we had maybe maximum of 20 pieces per fabric because there was just not more material from this fabric. So, and sometimes you had backpacks where you just had one, so they were quite individual. And yeah, that was the challenge. And that's a big challenge for, I think, bigger companies to um, really use those uh, those textile waste, this textile waste. So yeah, that's where we wanted to um, start with. Okay. And you bring this back to Europe and produce it here or you produce it in the other countries? No, we uh, use the materials which are in Cambodia or in the countries and also India and produce in those countries because we also have the fair and not only sustainable aspect. So I think the, the best way is to produce in those countries because it's not good to just say, oh, the, the working condition in the, in the normal factories aren't good. So we should move production to Europe, although that Europe label doesn't imply that working conditions are way better than there. But you have to find a solution there. So I think to really bring about change, you have to be in those countries actively engaging and producing fair in those countries. So people getting paid fair wages, they can send their children, they can afford school for them. The, the kids can also bring about change in their countries or regions and don't depend on the textile industry that much. So I think the best way is to actually produce in those countries and bring about change there where it's needed. Like there's no point in producing only in Germany, you're buying only the products produced in Germany, because you know that it's fair here, you have to start producing using the same conditions and fair wages in those countries. Otherwise, 
the situation is not changing. So what you're saying is that ethical production doesn't mean made in Europe. It means made fairly. But that actually brings me to my question of how would you define fair fashion? Like Leah already mentioned, there's like not one fair fashion and there's not one ethical fashion, slow fashion. There are many different ways to, from recycling products, using vintage products, maybe refreshing them just secondhand or just producing new products, organic products. Then you have the problem, is organic really sustainable because it's still using all the resources? Then you have zero carbon emission. So there are a lot of uh, tackling points and the, the sustainability label, many uh, brands like to give themselves can be like really far stretched. So I think there's a lot of greenwashing involved and not only because of this, but in general, fashion is like really such a big field and also is a fair fashion. So there's not just one, one way towards tackling problems or producing fair fashion there, like many different and many interesting concepts and companies working on this. You hit upon two major, major aspects that I'd like to ask you follow-up questions on. Um, you touched upon the kind of the ethical sourcing part of it, where you you try to get your materials. At least it started from the waste of textile factories, and then I guess moving on to finding suppliers that are at least not as damaging to the environment. And on the other hand, you've got the ethical production side, where you you view it as superfluous or even damaging to bring it back to Europe or wherever it's being consumed, uh, because in the end, the externalities of producing it over there would be better. It, just just so I can get, kind of bring it together in one sentence. Is that more or less what you were saying? Yes, uh, I think you can put it like in, this. In a, simple, in a simple way, of course. In a simple way. Yeah. Thank you for that. That was um, very enlightening. I think it was quite interesting to hear about, on the one side, the, the story of you first finding this out, meeting some people, and then deciding to use the scraps to make backpacks and other things you need. And the philosophy, I think that's something I didn't really think about when, when we were researching, that we can upcycle and reuse things, but there is also still a demand for new things. I think it's a very de facto way of looking at it, but it, but it is real, right? People do want new things, so producing newer clothing in a more ethical or sustainable way that makes yes. sense yeah i think it's also nice to hear this uh from you like how you put it because that's an interesting point consumption i think consumption in general is not entirely evil or something so there there's demand for new clothes but the thing is how we consume this i think the uh, fashion industry is like the the best example for overconsumption because we consume so many clothes it's a two-headed problem on the one side the system and the producers wanting to generate revenues and also the consumers who demand constantly changing clothes were maybe close to one party and then never wear them again. So that's, I think, consumption when it starts to get a big problem. But consumption and uh, producing new clothes in general is not the problem. It's just uh, needed. But it's the way how we consume things and how we produce them. But speaking of consumption and how we use it, I think we should move on to the Javi and who's representing Pop Boutique here. Would you also care to tell us a bit more about yourself and your involvement in Pop Boutique and what it is? Yes, thank you. I just wanted to say, John, super nice concept. I really like your, your idea. I think it's great that in the end you're tackling similar problems as we're aiming for 
So I've always been the type of person that likes to buy goods and think of using them in the long term. So like not buying goods every month or every time I feel the desire to want something, but rather think, how am I going to use this and for how long I'm going to use it? So this is where I wanted to add one more thing to the definition that Leah was saying for, for fashion. So other than the sustainable side, and at the same time, like the ethical production side, there is the key aspect that requires to maximize society's needs through the production of a fair product, let's say like that. Because one of the key aspects to make it more attractive for consumers, produce something of good quality. Because if you want to avoid overconsumption, it's good always to have a durable good. Make people think of their products as a sort of a long-term investment. Because the products are maybe a bit expensive, but at the same time, you know they're going to last you for a long time. So I believe that many brands can apply this, this sort of idea so that people, so we avoid having ex- excessive amounts of waste. In certain cases, people, this is what happens with vintage stores, you know, like usually people buy good stuff and maybe they're not going to wear it anymore and they did just donate it or sell it for a really low price so that other people are going to find a good use of it. So for Pop Boutique, we started in September, more or less with the idea. In the beginning of the year, like my closest group friends, we were just, how can we get involved? So in the end, my friend had this idea, like she wanted to create some sort of project in which secondhand clothes are collected and sold so that all the money collected can go helping another organization in need. So this is when we were together and we said, actually, that would be a super nice idea. And we started to think how we could implement it in Maastricht. And then I started remembering a few conversations with friends that some of them were like, I, I would love to buy secondhand. And this is when we started thinking, like, how can we implement that? The first thing that popped up, of course, it's like using, using Instagram, which is the easiest way to reach out to people, to students. And it's also super affordable to do it because we have to think in terms of affordability and also efficiency if we want to do something that it's completely non-for-profit. So... We said, how are we going to get people to donate clothes from their wardrobe? How are you going to incentivize them? And luckily enough, there's a large community of people in Maastricht that are super into this type of project. And they were actually super happy to see that there was this organization that would collect their clothes and actually resell them. So the nice thing about this is that people think, okay, like this item I can donate. They just don't, of course, like there's a part of clothes that are given to us that we cannot sell, but people started supporting our idea and like the first thing we did was like sharing it in our own Instagram account. And then we started receiving a lot of support. We started receiving our first donations. As time went by, we started like taking photos of the item. We decided like, okay, we're going to be the models for our own clothes. So this is actually kind of a leaving out of my comfort zone, at least for me, you know, (laughs) like it's something completely new. (laughs) Okay. But it's like, it's for a good cause. But then we started thinking, okay, now we have an idea on how we're going to collect money, but then we have to find the right organization. So we we started doing our research and we saw a lot of, we started focusing, like targeting the refugee situation in Greece, because there's a large volume of refugees that arrive every single day and camps are over, like over their capacity. Sometimes they don't have enough to provide for all refugees. So we, we, found this great organization that's called Samos Volunteers. And what they do is like they receive refugees in the camp in Samos 
and they provide them with the basic needs. We reach out to them and we're in constant communication with them, asking them how is everything going. And every month they send us a report on what they did during the month, you know, like just to show in numbers, like how much they were able to help. And it's super nice. So this is how the organization started running. Basically, like that's like the start of Pop Boutique. Which for our audience, I mean, it stands for People Over Profit Boutique. That's just the name that we thought it would be. Yeah, we thought it would be a cool name because we're trying to help. But then something very interesting happened. So maybe the start, we wanted to help refugees. So we were not directly thinking about fair fashion, but instantly after a week or so of starting, we, we realized that from the comments we were receiving from people that we can tackle a lot of problems at once through our organization. And each time we, we just think of something new that we can tackle. So like first it was like helping our refugees, but at the same time, we want to get people into buying secondhand items so that we are reducing uh, fast consumption or fast fashion and also make people aware of which type of products they're buying. And also this has helped our, us as a group because I know that every time we meet, we're talking about all these different ideas and projects that we have for the future. But then it's like, it's nice to see that just in, let's say five, almost five months of running this uh, boutique, each of us has learned a lot of things, which is quite nice. And we just keep learning and we intend to stay informed. So that way we can also get our audience informed with it. So you started it during the pandemic yes so our first idea was like how are we going to make it attractive in a sense like during pandemic times so our concept is basically we've received donations and before selling any product we wash everything so that requires a lot of time it's a lot of effort and of course we're not doing it for any profit so we decided to specify which days we're going to do what we started splitting our roles you know to keep running the organization and everything can be the only part that requires you to be present is the pickup and drop off points, which are specific times of the week. So that made it easier for us to adapt to our own schedule. In the end, it has worked out pretty well. And I hope we keep growing. Yeah. Could you um, also elaborate a bit more on the, the kind of the triage of the clothes? So how does it work? How do you choose what you will distribute or what you're going to throw away? And how much do you end up throwing away on average? So... So far, we haven't thrown away anything. We have received a lot of donations, like people have supported us pretty well. But what we are doing is that instead of throwing away clothes, we're separating things that could be donated. And we're trying to find organizations that would be able to receive these clothes that would be directly sent uh, somewhere over, like somewhere abroad, either a refugee camp or depends on the organization that would be willing. But we just don't want to throw away no, because I know that there are certain collectors like where you can just drop off clothing the same way you drop off like recycling, but we don't really know where these clothes end up. So instead of throwing it away, we would like to find like a recipient, you know, because usually we don't receive items that cannot be worn, you know, like they are in conditions that can be worn. But since the purpose of pop boutique, it's actually to resale. We don't want to sell low quality things. We believe that keeping good quality for a good cost. It's the best thing to run this type of organizations. So yeah, we're evolving as it goes because all of us are new 
do in this sort of social entrepreneurship type of project. So every time we learn new things, a very culturally diverse group. And at the same time, we study different things. I study economics, for example, then I have friends doing international business, other people are doing European studies. So it's like we have a very different approach to things and just applying all this knowledge into running our own boutique has been extremely useful. It's quite nice. So you, you've been able to not only over the last five months develop new skills and, and all that stuff, but integrate what you learn into this project. What I, what I do find quite interesting, how you started off as something to practically to help uh, refugees and it's become more than that. It's also a, a, a drive has been put into place to kind of redistribute clothes in a circular manner without producing them anew. Okay, exactly. thank you. Thank you, all three of you. This has been a very nice first half where we were able to introduce each of us and uh, introduce the topic of fair fashion. We covered a lot of things, what fair fashion is and that it's a bit complicated. It's not necessarily green, nor is it necessarily working conditions. It was to maximize society's needs rather than focusing specifically on the production or the consumption of it, that it is a more holistic approach to fashion. I think would, what would be nice now is if we have a little conversation. Uh, you've all heard what each other had to say. Let's start off with, in your opinion, how is fair fashion being addressed by companies or people? There's like a lot of combinations out there and a lot of um, approaches towards the, the topic. And of course, it's a trend, uh, which is good. But sadly, there are many bigger brands, more conventional brands, misusing this and trying to ride the wave without really contributing to society and tackling the problems as they are often also key part of the problem. Because it's it's a trend, because it's a fad, companies are really jumping on board and using it to greenwash their products without actually making them green or fair. Yeah, I guess uh, that... That's just one negative example. <laughs> I think it's important to focus on the positive examples, but it's just a big problem because fashion, especially, is really long and the supply chain and the value chain of fashion is often so confounded and you have um, so many stations that it's even hard. It's really hard also for, there are really companies who want to change, who have been like part of fast fashion, not fair produced fashion before, but try to change. But it's really hard because they often work with sub companies and then they have suppliers who again have suppliers and it's hard especially when you're stationed in europe and you're a big fashion company and i think you will find every fashion company having like a sustainable thing on the website where they talk about their efforts to be sustainable i think that's just a must have but a lot of them are in fact not but it's just a problem because it's a such complex value chain often or supply chain that it's really hard for companies to implement um, this if they want to, but this also leaves plenty of room for companies to say that they're working on it, when in fact they aren't. Yeah. Here, you have something to add? Yes, in regards to the part where companies are just using the, the idea for fashion to benefit themselves in, in the sense that they don't actually take action. This is where my, my perspective on, on fair fashion comes in. So. First of all, I just want to say that I am a big fan of realistic approaches and also like rational ways of 
actually getting something into practice and not just saying beautiful words. Uh, I think it's just a direct translation in Spanish, but when people are just saying something that it sounds perfect in, but then when you try to apply it in practice, it's just simply not realistic. So first, I, I just think that many companies struggle in the sense because they, there's a huge trade-off in engaging in sustainable practices in the sense that maybe in the short term, companies are going to face higher costs or simply because in, in the place where they're producing or manufacturing their items are not fully regulated on this aspect, then there's like no real incentive for them to engage in, in sustainable fashion. But at the same time, society is putting a lot of pressure into this because every time people are more concerned of what they're consuming, like where their products are produced and the impact that this type of company is creating. So I think this is a good thing. And this is part of the society's role. Like we have to know that we have to take action to push companies into realizing that if they engage in sustainable production processes, they can, they can actually increase their value as a company And maybe if it incurs a bit more costs in the short term, it can potentially increase their value for consumers. So basically, the realistic approach that has to be taken, it's difficult, but not impossible, like the, to fix these problems in the supply chain of any company. Because sometimes companies just purchase the final goods, you know, to sell them like as, as part of retail, but they don't go deeper into the chain And they, are, they don't know, like, even in the extraction of raw materials for production, like, there's some exploitation there. So it's, like, it's hard because nowadays uh, globalization has made, like, all these production processes, like, spread out over different regions. So it's often hard to track every single step and make sure that everything is super sustainable. But just as, a, as an example that I actually look up to, like I think it's perfect for these type of situations is the thing that the famous chocolate has done here of Tony's. So I really love their business idea on how they're collecting cocoa beans. They, they buy them from many different providers. So it's super difficult to track down, like trace where the cocoa is actually coming from. They have found a way to make sure that every single step in the production processes for their for the chocolate, even like from the very, since the, since the beans are harvested, like since that very moment that everything is collected in a sustainable way, that everyone is receiving fair payments, everyone is not, it's in good working conditions. And this is like a very good example that it is possible to be a successful company in the sustainable way, you know, because they're yeah. still making profits. So it's like, it's possible. You mean if, if a chocolate company can do it, then a clothing company can do it, practically. So it's not that it's impossible, it's just that it's very complex and difficult to track these things and do it well. And another thing you said previously was that you buy clothing for the long term, right? And if anything, sustainable clothing sometimes could actually be of higher quality, something that lasts longer rather than something that is of short quality. I think that's really important because just like a trouser that is made out of, for example, cotton that was produced fairly, doesn't mean that this product is automatically fulfilling the purpose of fair fashion, right? I mean, if you buy a trouser or jeans that, of course, consists out of fair cotton, but it is made for just lasting two or three years because then you should buy a new jeans or a new jean at this um, store, it 
does not really fulfill the purpose of fair fashion, right? And I think it's super important to think about that as well. And when you think, for example, about big fair fashion brands, they were launching new collections every month, every or half a year. I mean, that's just too much and it doesn't really, it's just not in line with fair fashion concept, reducing waste. Yeah. So I just wanted to say that. Mm -hmm. So I might step in if that's okay. So Please. I think that, yeah, so at least that's my experience from fair fashion brands. I've never experienced a fair fashion brand actually delivering lower quality than other brands. So I think fair fashion companies are renowned for their good quality. And that's also part of the price you pay for many fair fashion brands. So that it's not only the, the price for the higher wages, but also the quality which is supplied. That's also the challenge of many fair fashion brands so that you have to compete with a product which maybe t-shirt for 10 bucks or so. And that's unrealistic for, for a fair fashion brand because you first have the higher cost due to the, the sustainability and of course the wages, but also the higher quality. I don't think that it, this is a problem as people are also willing to pay for high quality and people all the times pay for brands And like big brands doesn't necessarily imply that it's better quality, but just you pay for a name. So I don't, I don't think that it's impossible. And I think that's also a consumer's problem because many consumers want to be sustainable, but are not willing to pay for it or to actually look out for what they buy. It's the same thing. Many people want to um, eat more regional, for example, or seasonal or whatever, but then are not in the supermarket. They still choose bananas in winter, for example. So if you, if you look on your label, And you see where it's from, or maybe you see the face of the, the people producing it, then, then you see that your behavior or your consumption has an impact. And that's our responsibility. I like fashion and I bought too many things. <laughs> and also I didn't uh, really check for the sustainability or the, the fairness aspect. And that's something like, of course, as, as a 13 year old boy, you don't think about where your Hollister shirts come from, but you just want a fresh shirt and, uh, impress all the people with your shirt, like just look cool or whatever. So I think it's easy to look away because I think if you would have to look face to face to the, to give an extreme example, to the child producing your, your sneakers in a sweatshop in Asia, I think then the decision to choose a fair product would go a lot easier than in a, just like the prepared product on your, in a shop. You don't, you don't see what's behind. Um, I think a thing that you said pretty nicely is that you can take action now because you can inform yourself and you can take your action now. I mean, it's totally different when we look at different or other climate-related problems. So we cannot really face them. But I think actually when it comes to clothing, we can. So it's pretty easy for us to change our behavior in that way. And I think you put it very, very nicely. So you said that as a child that you didn't really pay attention to where your fashion comes from. How do you make sure that you do it today? What are your approaches to make sure that the fashion that you're buying right now is, for example, fair fashion? The first thing is uh, I can produce it myself. <laughs> I, can buy, <laughs> I can buy my own stuff. <laughs> so that's, that's always a good, good way to start. Now, of course, right now we are a lot really big at the moment so i can't only wear my own stuff so I, of course sometimes i need new products so what i did is that i noticed i have a huge wardrobe There's and i already have wardrobe. enough outfits or so what i did i think the last two years i barely bought any new products so that's that's what i did at first and i think 
as I also like buying high quality products, the products will probably last me for ages. So I have enough clothing and sometimes you really do need stuff and then Javi's gonna like this. I also propose buying uh, used stuff. So secondhand, I think is a really good option. <laughs> Corona, it's difficult. I like going into to, um, secondhand shops and the, your concept basically is like a, like a thrift shop. It's also a cool feeling if, you, if there's a story behind your... And you, you figure out, you, you see maybe a name written in the tag and you, that's like a story you buy into. So I really like that. That's really a, a good approach to buy used products because then there's no, no, no new cost for the planet, no new um, carbon dioxide emissions. But uh, it can't be the only solution because there, as we see, because of Corona, less clothes uh, get produced, people buy less clothes. You have the problem that many people or many, mainly female workers in, for example, Bangladesh, that's a huge problem. Their main source of income or their only source of income are those factories. So even though the conditions are not that good and they don't earn enough money, it's better than earning no money. And right now they do exactly that. They have, they earn no money because there are no unions and there are no work working contracts. So if they are not needed, they're 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 on the street. But you 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 should pay attention so that they are produced fairly. So to to assure that the people producing them really earn enough money, have good working conditions, and to bring about change, I think that's really important. And that's also why like nonprofits are nice. And I think that's the same with fair fashion and used fashion. It's a nice way to towards solving one problem. I think also businesses are a good ve uh, vehicle to bring mm -hmm. about change. Because in the end, if you only depend on donations, the end, the project will end. And then the people in, in those countries, they lose their, their ground, you know. Of course, monetary help, like immediate, is really important. So that's why I like the project donating money right away. But also you should pay attention to, to buying sustainable because I think businesses offer a long-term possibility to bring about change. But because in the end, change goes, starts with the consumers and then with businesses. And there's no way around this, whether it's about meeting climate goals or helping people in the garment producing countries. It's, it doesn't work without businesses because businesses employ people, people who can then care for themselves, buy enough food, are not starving, can put their children into school Children can get educated. Education helps them out of their vicious circle. So I think it's it's the, the best way to help all the people involved. You can make sure that that, uh, you, for example, your shirt is completely sustainable by watching for certain labels or only buying brands where you know that it really is. Then you can make sure that the, all people in the value chain are helped. And I think that is really important. So what I think is a good way to start uh, buying more sustainable clothing is starting to buy less, buy used, and buy fair and um, mm -hmm. sustainable. Yeah, I, th I think you bring up a lot of good points. I mean, it, it's the it's the typical three R's, right? Reduce, reuse, recycle. It's just slightly different. And yeah, the the fair aspect is quite interesting. That takes into account the the people who would be disadvantaged by this kind of shift. Because the green transition will affect other people and will affect livelihoods, and that will have to be adjusted for somehow. But you touched upon something else, this non-profit versus for-profit approach and the difference between the two. Yeah, I was wondering if, if you have uh, any ideas on that specifically. I wanted to touch a few points on that approach, on whether social entrepreneurs should seek for profit or not. 
And to be honest, it's about scale of impact. So for an organization to increase its impact, somehow it's going to need more resources. So it's necessary to increase somehow your sales. It's necessary to invest in new business ideas in order to increase your impact. So of course, it's important to to think of profits as in as a means towards getting there. But at the same time, it's very important that you stick to your initial mission. So as your idea grows and everything, it's always good to review your mission statement. The one that you started from the very beginning. I'm not saying that it cannot be shaped towards new needs as long as you stay within the what you're trying to help as an impact in, in society. But it's always good to review and keep that in mind because you have to be realistic. For example, in our case for Pop Boutique, right now we're, we're making zero profits. Like our whole point is selling everything. So we receive donations and we make value out of these donations and everything, like 100% of the earnings are sent to this NGO. So right now we're not making any profits, but it's also because of the type of organization that we're doing. But then if you think of a bigger organization or like a company itself, that it's trying to get into fair fashion. Of course, like they have to think in profitable ways. Like it doesn't have to be the main priority, but at the same time, it should be a realistic approach towards injecting that fair fashion trend into society. Maybe at some point, the fair fashion industry can reach that new normal, you know? As we say, like at some point after the pandemic, we're going to come to a new normal. Right. The for-profit, non-profit dichotomy is difficult and a bit too black and white. And even though something can be for-profit, it would allow it to scale and have a larger impact. So that's a very interesting point. We are coming towards the end of this discussion. I really have enjoyed it. A few concluding ideas would be nice, mainly what local options are there for people here in Maastricht? What places can people go and what can people do? Two examples right here are Fair Enough and Pop Boutique. But are there others out there that you know of? Definitely. There's some vintage stores around the city. There's also like sometimes in Mart, there's like these people that just put a stand during the day, you know, like a secondhand shop. There are ways you can engage in fair fashion. But my key takeaway from this discussion and a message to encourage our listeners is just first start by thinking about your own behavior with all this um, consumption aspects and just try to be a bit more informed, you know, because sometimes it may be the case that one is not necessarily interested in these matters or you just buy for buying. But I just think it's good to think that every single item you're purchasing has passed through a lot of hands before and a lot of stages in production processes and it's always good to at least try it to a certain extent to be sure that this product is produced in a fair way and just to be more mindful about fair fashion. Yeah, so just, buy, buy more deliberately, uh, pay more exactly. attention. Uh, yeah, thank you very much. I think that, that you, you did cover most of the different points. Uh, does anybody else have anything to add? I think that I, I agree with Javi. And I can also speak from my own experience when buying clothes that once you start buying less and you buy more like the thing with the vintage shirt that it has a story or the fair fashion shirt from the brand you saw on Instagram, then you, you wear it differently. And in the end, uh, we like the products where you 
you like yourself wearing them, but you feel good in and you feel different when you wear something just high quality, which is fair produced, sustainable, because the quality is better, it feels better. You know that you don't have to have any bad conscience about like the people involved in the work chain, but you know you did something good and it also looks good. So it makes you feel good. It's it's just the, the best option. For me personally, I like my clothing a lot more since I really take care of what I buy. We also mentioned that uh, being like entrepreneurial and engaging yourself for a social project, like really enhance what you learn and learn a lot of different things you won't learn in university and really if somebody is interested in fair fashion and likes to engage in it and would love to like design their own shirts think about starting something you can always hit me up because i'm always uh, looking for people who are also like-minded and want to want to engage in this just uh, shoot us a dm on instagram it's fairenough.eu yeah it would be really nice because it would be cool to to start also uh, like broadening this in mass university find like-minded people a fair point to bring up because there's the option of trying to do something yourself putting into play what your vision of fair fashion would be and engaging for example with fair enough is one of those ways and i think it's so cool that there are so many fashion interested people in mass like i see fancy outfits all the time when i'm walking to the city and so many people engaging in sustainability but i didn't like because of corona probably i didn't hear about a lot of stuff so i was quite happy to receive uh, your request layer and hear that you have like a project on this also having your project so i think we can really change something when yeah. we work together on this uh, i agree for anyone listening there is the the whole initiative by the external affairs committee and you can find it on the unsa on the facebook page or the instagram but you can also look up Fair Enough and Pop Boutique. Those are all interesting ways of, of learning about and engaging with what the concept of fair fashion is. Leah, would you have something to round us off for fair fashion? Maybe you have something to add. Um, yeah, I, I just wanted to conclude this with saying that fair fashion doesn't need to be expensive or anything like that and it's not so difficult as we saw for example by second hand there are many opportunities in maastricht there are many fashion swap events for example at the in between as well and they are all organized you can easily find them on facebook and that's like a cheap method for especially for us as students and i really like that both of our guests jan and javi said that's important for you to have cheap fair fashion so that is actually affordable for us students And I think it's really important to just say it's easy to make a difference, right? I mean, just be aware of this issue. And I think you will learn over time, like Jan said. Yeah. Just one more thing that just came up to my to my mind when, when Jan was saying of, of the nice outfits. I see, like, uh, I really love how people dress up in Europe. I think it's pretty cool. And engaging in fashion doesn't necessarily have to mean downgrading on your style. So it's always nice. And even you can improve it through it. It's just about changing your behavior and being more mindful of what you're buying. Yeah, you can even add your own fair fashion swagger, you know? Exactly. It's, 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 it's and additive. It's added value instead of uh, in less. I, yeah. I, have, I have one last tip that Petra, our first guest for our workshop, said. So she said that you should find your own style. And if you have your own style it's way more easier to be uh, sustainable when it comes to fashion because you don't have to buy that much so feel free to develop your personality <laughs> <laughs>
thank you so much for participating. This was a wonderful conversation. Uh, I barely saw the time pass. So thank you very much for actively engaging and your useful tips and product placement has been appreciated. Thanks to you. It has been great. Thank you. Really enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah, we are really grateful to have like a student perspective here as well. It's really nice. So thanks for yeah, joining. We hope you liked this episode. The lead producer was me, Brendan. This episode was co-produced in a collaboration with the UNSA's External Affairs Committee as part of their project that seeks to spread awareness about the topic of fair fashion throughout the month of March. So thank you to Lea, Julia, Esther, and Jenik. Another special thanks goes out to our guests, Jan from Fair Enough and Javier from Pop Boutique. You can find them online. The music in this episode was made by Stone Ocean. Finally, I would like to thank our sponsor. For the first time ever, I'm proud to declare that this podcast is brought to you by the students of UNU Merit, the United Nations University in Maastricht. Thanks again for listening and hoi hoi.